You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. It's very, very good uh, to be here, and I know that sometimes uh, uh, we won't always do this. We, we haven't committed to doing this forever and ever, amen, but just for this uh, value series, because it does have the kind of family vibe to it, and it is more discussion-oriented, it just feels kind of right to have everybody down front, so I appreciate you guys appeasing me on that. You guys want to say hey to Julianne real quick, a good warm welcome. Hey, guys. She is going to up the maturity on this stage and uh, articulateness and uh, wisdom, charm. Yeah, it's going to be a good time this morning. Julia, Julianne's mother is with us this morning. Can we point out Julianne's mama, Susie? Susan, hi. Hi. Good to see you. Always good to have uh, family in the house. Um, if you're new here or just joining us, we are getting involved in a, uh, a family conversation, kind of uh, Ju- Julianne and then Matt before her and then Timothy before him uh, are all frontline leaders of this church. Frontline leaders just means kind of volunteer or, of course, Timothy here is here on staff, but volunteer leaders here on staff to have a conversation about um, some of these family values. And there's five family values. They're kind of hard to remember. We're not expecting everybody to remember them, but, you know, Language is important, and, and as you hear some of these words, you'll hear them continually. They exist in group, they exist in serving, and, and they just represent really an intentionalism to kind of be uh, who we want to be on purpose. Um, uh, I've heard it said before that if you don't know who, what your values are in life, that people are pretty quickly, and maybe you can experience this too, but people are pretty quick to tell you what your values ought to be or should be. You know, uh, that's, that's not, we're not lacking of people telling us what we should do or what we ought to be doing, and our values keep us safe in that way, committed to what we care about, um, and when we don't know what to do and when we, um, when we get discouraged and when things don't work out, values are important because they tell us, they bring us back home to who we are. Uh, vision can tell us where to go, but only values can really tell us who we are in every situation. And so values are super, super important. That's why we want, want to talk about uh, these things. Um, and so let me read the passage of Scripture that we've been going over in these last couple of weeks. It comes in Acts uh, chapter 2. Um, and this is really what tells us that uh, the family that we're trying to build here um, is not like the Simpsons. The family we're trying to build here is not the Jetsons or the Cosbys. There's this very specific kind of family. And family is a trendy word. It's something that you'll see on the front of jerseys at Duke or, or, or you'll see it at an exercise place. They'll call it this family or that family. It's very important that we talk about what kind of family we're trying to become here because family is a word that everybody understands but uh, everybody struggles with maybe even more than we tend to understand. And so this scripture really brings us home explaining what kind of family is Jesus' family, you know, is, is the Father's family. This is what the family looked like when the Holy Spirit first indwelled it. It says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves, they valued these things above everything else. Um, they valued, for example, teaching. The idea that uh, if 99 people all said something different than the Scriptures said, they would value the Scriptures over conformity, over uh, kind of conventional wisdom. So they valued teaching. They valued just as much as doctrine and teaching the one anothering, the people in the room, just as much as they wanted to know the scriptures, they wanted to know their neighbor and they wanted to know their friends and they wanted to be devoted to their friends as much as they were devoted to the scriptures. And that just looked like uh, the breaking of bread, uh, the meeting together, just simple rhythms of hospitality and relationship. Everyone was filled with this awe of many wonders and signs that were performed uh, by the apostles. There's this sense that God might break in at any moment. So again, it's not Homer Simpson or Marge Simpson or, or Bart. It's like the Holy Spirit, you know, is the major 
familiar guest of the family in the family room at any given time. And there's this awe that comes about his presence, his residence. Verse 44, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They strove towards that unity. Uh, they, were, they were for each other, not against each other. 45, they sold property and possessions to give. Sheila Dotson will be here uh, next week to talk about this idea of giving without strings, giving without agenda, and giving just to give. Um, not to get anything out of anyone else. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. We talked about this with Timothy, the get-to life, that if God is small, then my life is always a have-to. But, but if God is really as good as he says he is, then the residue of that in my life should be, this is a joy. This life is a gift that I get to enjoy. And if our life is not a gift, then the problem is not circumstance. The problem is worship. How can we get back to the reality that God is good and my life is a gift that comes from him? Those are great opportunities to come back and say, am I, a praise, am I a person that praises first? Am I a person that is thankful for the giver of all good gifts? And we enjoy the favor of all the people, and the Lord added it to their number. Oftentimes, as, uh, as the kingdom of God gets bigger, the, kingdom, the, the family of God is not a closed door. It's an open-door policy. And sometimes that puts stresses and strains, and we do want to build up kind of walls as a community to keep people out. But they had no walls, and they were all about building bridges. And so last, uh, Andre will come to share about what it means to be a missionary, not just a member of the church. Here are the values on the screen if you wanted to take a picture. And if you were into memorizing things, there are no bonus points or Bible bucks that you get at the end of the week. But again, worship is going from have to to get to. Fellowship is about moving from the life of me into the life of we. Discipleship today we'll talk about is moving from the world's point of view to the word. How can we be anchored in his truth and be sanctified by it? Ministry means moving from getting to, or giving to get into giving to give just because giving is a gift. And lastly, moving from membership to missionary. All right, Julianne, we both have our, our iPads. You ready to go? Look at I got these yeah. two stools. Yeah, like official, like yeah, you know, yeah. my iPad up here. This is like the view up here. I need to have one of those mugs with the, <laughs> with the coffee and crack, crack a couple jokes. Um, good to see you this morning. You doing well? Doing well. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good to see you. Um, we are going to be talking about discipleship this morning. Mm -hmm. Let's just kind of break in with an icebreaker, kind of what, is, what comes to mind when you think about this word, um, disciple uh, and discipleship. What do you mm -hmm. think discipleship means to you? So when I think of discipleship, I think um, of just the way that we listen and we grow as God is speaking in our lives and the way that we live that out in a way that other people can see it and can be spurred on to want to look for how he's speaking to them in their lives. Um, so when I think about the relationships that have had the most impact in my life and discipling me, they're the ones where people have just been really vulnerable and just invited me into the messiness of their lives and just said, hey, I don't have it all together, but this is what I'm learning and this is what God's showing me. And um, and those have really made me want to know God more because of how they've been so open and, um, and honest with me. Yeah, I love the, uh, so empowering the way that you explain it. It's just, it just feels like being available, you know, more, than, more so than, um, you know, being perfect, having it all figured out, having all the answers. Like you said, vulnerable, the messiness of, of life right where you are. Yeah. It, that definition, if we took that definition, very much empowers all of us and puts a responsibility almost on, and a weight on all of us to say, hey, like, um, are, are we bringing our life before uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and are we bringing our life before others? That is our purpose, and the idea of making disciples, going and making disciples the greatest commandment or the greatest commission that Jesus ever gave, um, something that is accessible to anybody is what I hear. Um, I know for us at City Lights, we're trying to craft uh, you know, this statement and, and, and be consistent in what this means to be a disciple that makes disciples. It's very, very important, but we want to try and stay simple um, with it, but also accurate uh, for, for me at least right now, and there's going to be a series in the future called Defining Discipleship, but um, I've been thinking about the, the, the phrase following Jesus to look like him. Uh, following Jesus to live the way that Jesus lived and love the things that Jesus loved. 
Um, it's one thing to kind of try and check the boxes and try and do what Jesus did, um, but maybe not doing those things for the same reasons Jesus did them, you know? And I think that's what I think of when I think of discipleship. It's following Jesus to not only live the way he lived, but love the way he loved. What would it look like to love the Father and love his people and love uh, this world the way that he so loved the world that he gave his life away? That would be hard to do without actually passing the, uh, the threshold of being a disciple is what comes to mind for me. Um, we always have some words on the screen to kind of guide us. Uh, <clears throat> and so this morning, uh, again, as I've been talking about word and world as the major uh, premise of, of the idea here, following Jesus to look like him uh, involves his truth. As a matter of fact, can I put this, the scripture on the, on the screen just before we put up our words? John 17, 17 says, um, Jesus prays to his father, would you sanctify? Sanctify means change, transform from the inside out. Uh, sanctify doesn't just mean change one little habit. Sanctify means from the inside out, an in, internal transformation. Would you do that with your truth? And so truth is a key linchpin here. So let's look at the, um, the, the definition that we'll put here on the screen. Consider this, that discipleship, um, looks like acknowledging the authority of Jesus. Uh, discipleship looks like um, founding our life on the authority of his word. Um, I was in H&M the other day, and uh, I, was, I was caught. I was struck by this Snoop Dogg uh, t-shirt. And it was like, it was the weirdest cultural um, epiphany, weird little like hodgepodge of things that you'll find at H&M, these kind of quirky, uh, ironic uh, t-shirts and things. But Snoop Dogg, and it looked like it was almost like a little shrine that he was in, and it was almost like something that somebody would worship, like Snoop Dogg, you know? Uh, let's, let's worship Snoop Dogg. And that sounds funny to say, worship Snoop Dogg. Um, but if you really do pause and think about it, um, you know, I think more and more we talk about it as a culture how much, you know, authority and the structure of authority in people and in God and religion kind of has declined over the years or degraded over the years. Um, but potentially, if you look at a T-shirt like that, it's not so far from the truth. We, gave a, we give authority to people like Steve Jobs. We give authority to Snoop Dogg. Authority just means listen to somebody, right? And so um, I, I, wouldn't, I would almost make that argument that, that it's not that we struggle with authority. It's just that we put our authority in, in wrong places. And, and the process of discipleship is as simple as coming back to his authority and saying, no, I'm going to base my life on his word, not on my world, not on, not on the culture. So today, as a working definition, we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in terms of following Jesus just means to, to seek his word out. It's to ask the question, what are you saying to me? That in any given moment, he's saying something to us. Jesus says, I only do what the Father says, and my Father's word is like bread, and the early family church continually met together. They just wanted to know, what's the teaching on this? What's the saying on this? Because my life is too important to be based on sand, I need to put my life on something that has authority. And so I need to get back to the word of God. What's God saying? Not just the words on the Bible to memorize, but what is his spirit saying to me at any given time? Do you know what God is saying to you? Maybe that's the first question uh, to, to think about this morning. Do you know uh, what he's saying about your marriage? Because, because the thing is, is that um, what he said in the last season might not be the same thing as what he's saying in this season. And if we don't know the season that we're in, what he's saying about any given topic of our life, we're, we're, we're kind of washed around by the waves of life and by the world and by the Snoop Dogg or whoever else that we allow to have influence. And so it's coming back to that place and demanding and saying, I need to know what he's saying. I need to know the word of the Lord over my life through his written scripture, through community, and through the unctions of the Holy Spirit. I need to know what he's saying. Um, I'm going to ask in just a moment just a little bit about what you think, um, and I love the words that you chose as in our Starbucks conversation earlier this week, that keeps us from this idea of following what he's saying and helping others follow what he's saying on a day-to-day -day basis. 
But imagine this, if, 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 you, if you were swayed by the, by the words of the world, if you were swayed by the common conventional wisdoms of the world, um, I wonder if doing that over time would put us in a state of people-pleasing. I wonder if following along with you know, the weights of this really loud voice or this person I want to impress or this thing that I want to win would put us in a place of insecurity, uh, a fear, an overabundance of, 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 of uh, comparison or insecurity about what others would think of me if that would take root as a culture if I wasn't being discipled. Meaning, in other words, what would it look like to not be discipled? Not being discipled would mean comparison, competition, um, looking good without being good, being shallow, um, being driven by emotion. I don't know where I'm going. I'm kind of moving around. I don't know what God's saying. I'm just kind of going with what feels good. I'm kind of going with what's convenient. I'm kind of going with what's cheaper. And God might not be saying that. And the scripture clearly says that's a way to, to be flimsy, to be fickle. That's the way to not build your house on the rock, to grow up into the stature of Christ, to look like him, to love and live the way that Jesus lived. But in, in turn, what if instead of allowing the authority uh, platform in our life to be dictated by you know, uh, the in-laws of the world or the spouses of the world, the friends or the jobs or the bosses of the world? What if it was rooted and tethered in something uh, more longstanding than that? Uh, rooted in a voice of somebody that died for you, uh, rooted in, in, in a savior like Jesus, would our life, wouldn't our life begin to take on a, a, a quality of integrity, of wholeheartedness, of all in, of single-mindedness, of joy and peace, of character and courage, the kind of life that we want to live, an inside-out discipleship life, faithful, you know, fear, of, fear and love of God instead of fear and love of man, free inside-out transformation. Um, tell me about the two words as we talked earlier that came to mind for you that, that just kind of represent, um, I mean, ultimately kind of illegitimate reasons, but at the same time, uh, reasons that oftentimes it's so hard, you know, to, it's easier to talk about this and preach about this, right, than to, to walk in this, you know, on a day-by-day basis, um, although we know we're called. Tell me about, you know, in your life or in the lives of others, what you think kind of gets in the way mostly of this. Yeah, so the biggest things for me are busyness and feeling inadequate. I feel like, um, I remember when I was first going to lead a small group, the thoughts that came into my head were, well, I'm not equipped to do that. I'm not the right person. There's people that are um, have been Christians longer, they know more scripture, or they're holier than I am, or, you know, it's so easy to go through all these things in your head and kind of listen to lies from the enemy about it, and um, also busyness, thinking, I don't have the time to properly put into that, I'm not going to do a good job because there's so much going on, and, I mean, the truth is there's always going to be something going on that's a busy season in your life, there's always going to be some sort of excuse you can think of, but the truth is that's when we're putting our perspective on ourselves and not on God and not who he says that we are. And mm. it's really about being a vessel for him to use you. And, and that's the beauty of it is he uses us in our weakness and it's his mm. strength. It's not our own. It's not what we can do that, um, that makes it a great thing. It's when you just let him use you. And, um, then that's when he's more glorified in that. Yeah. I just love those definitions. And I just, uh, as we were preparing for it, I was like, what are the words that we need to say? And those two words, I think, in particular in American culture and in my life, the busyness factor, you know, the illusion and the tyranny of the urgent continue to distract us from what's most important. And there's so many voices to listen to. And uh, it's that deliberate decision. And it's a simple one, but it's often hard because there's so many forces that pull and push us. But I just hear you saying that when you say strength and weakness, you know, um, 
it encourages me, just like in your earlier kind of explanation of discipleship, um, just that he's the one that does it. And, and ultimately, I remember just us talking yesterday about the fact that ultimately Jesus is the disciple maker. And if he calls us to be and make disciples, that he will be faithful, you know, mm-hmm. to equip us to do so. So that's just a really, really good word. Um, I wanted you to share a little bit about um, this last week and kind of get ready for this as a real-time example of even preparing to talk about discipleship and Jesus discipling you directly uh, yeah. this week. Yeah, so it's kind of funny because when Oliver first asked me about um, coming up today, he sent me an email, and my first thought was, absolutely not. (laughs) I'm not, like, who am I to go up there and talk about discipleship? And, you know, I'm terrible at speaking in front of people. Like, I'm not going to do that. And um, You're doing great. So then I waited for a minute and kind of prayed about it, and I felt like Laura was like, no, I want you to do it. Fear is not a reason not to do something. And so, um, so then I told Oliver when I saw him, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it, but we're going to plan out everything we're going to say, and I don't want any curveballs. Like, I just want to have everything practiced. There's a teleprompter right here. Yeah. The script right here. yeah. And, um, so then I've just been kind of praying and prepping for it, and then Friday morning, um, I had told my mom that I was going to be speaking with Oliver on Sunday, and um, she didn't really know what the topic was or anything, and um, or what I was even thinking about it, and she called me, and she said, hey, I don't know what you're talking about on Sunday, but I feel like the Lord is just telling me to tell you um, not to be afraid of talking in front of people and that um, you don't have to be researching what to talk about or anything like that, but that he just wants you to talk about what he's taught you and he just wants to speak through you and he wants you to share stories about it. That's a good word. (laughs) It was just so funny because I was letting the inadequacy get to me, you know, and then um, it's just a cool example of how the Lord used someone else in community to remind me of truth and remind me um, what I need to be doing. So God is good. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought of this as when you told your story to me this last week of, of, of like, you know, both in the, in the sense with water, with, with Joshua and with Peter, um, their steps of obedience were the thing that ultimately allowed them to walk on water and follow Jesus in the case of Peter out um, on, on the waves. And, and so um, ultimately, you know, what I hear that story reminding us this morning is that our power doesn't come from our steps. Our power comes from his voice. And it's the obedience that unleashes and unlocks the power. And the very same thing that we wouldn't have been able to do a minute before he said it became possible because he said it. And because we listen and responded in faith, it's the faith that generates the power. It's not, it's not ultimately us. And I think that's a really important kind of uh, context to remember as we consider not just the how, but the why and the what of discipleship. It's him. He's, he's discipling us. I think sometimes in churches we can get really wonky uh, about following other people, you know what I mean, and trying to model our lives too much after other people and getting in distraction of ultimately following Jesus. He's the one that follows us, and, and, uh, and whether or not we have people around us that we can follow or not, uh, even Paul in a prison can get discipled by the Holy Spirit. And so ultimately speaking, I just hear you saying he's the discipler, and we have nothing to fear in that. Um, let's talk about this scripture really quickly. I'll, I'll read it, and this is where we found some founding for this concept of word and world. But uh, Matthew um, 24, verse 24, it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Uh, and now notice it's really interesting because they're going to talk about the foolish man, if you've ever heard this before, wise versus foolish, juxtaposed there. But, but both of them here. Uh, but if you notice in verse 24, it's the wise man who does what it says. So it's really, really encouraging in one way to think of the fact that everyone can hear. You can, you can hear his voice. And that's something else that we want to you know, encourage you with this morning is that everyone has the ability to hear the voice of God. Everyone has the ability to hear the voice of God, and there's nothing and no one that can uh, confiscate that from you. Uh, and so really the, the question is, can we listen? And will we listen? And will we obey? 
It says that the rain came, the problems of this world, you know, the stresses, the temptations, they, they come against us to attack us. The streams rise and the winds blow and they beat against the house, uh, yet it did not fall. Uh, and so we see this, this dynamic really where the, the testing came to attack us, but ultimately it proved to form us and that, and that us clinging on to the word of God through those struggles is what makes us disciples. It's what forms us becoming to look like Christ. And so those, those challenges um, uh, grow us in that way. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine does not uh, put them into practice as a foolish man. It's the one, uh, say, I wear the Snoop Dogg t-shirt. I don't have an issue with it, but I'm just saying to listen to Snoop Dogg and, and, and culture and allow that to, to dictate um, who we are, uh, it's just, it's too precious of a gift to give to such a um, flimsy uh, foundation. And it's like building a house on a sand. And we feel it, not immediately, but we feel it over time. The residual output is that the rain comes, the stresses come, and they just knock us out because it's not built on a good foundation. It's not built on his voice. Um, we're going to talk about kind of three things at the very end of our time this morning that help us hear um, the voice of God. Three things that help us, I think, give a microphone to the voice of God above the other voices that come into our world. But um, it's just really, really important to kind of break down this idea that the Word of God is just words on a page, first and foremost. The number one thing I think we want to start as a foundation for our combo here is, is just that the Word of God, as we open it up to Matthew 24 on Monday, um, it's not like reading Mark Twain books. It's not like reading another book that you would find in the public library. It, it, it is a living and active encounter that we're expecting. Uh, it's, a, it's a relational thing that we're having. So when we talk about this morning about, you know, being defined by the word, it's not like lining up the P's and Q's of it all and just making sure that we've passed the test. It's about listening for his voice. Uh, it's not about memorizing all the scripture. It's about listening for what does he want to say to me today through the scripture or through this person today. And so the question I wanted to, to ask you about, I'd love to, hear, to share your story here, is um, there's all of these moments, I think, uh, and, it's, and it's really, in a room like this, really, really powerful to share stories about. But like when the word of God stops being a word on a page and actually lifts off the page to come alive. And when God becomes a person, not just a principle. Um, that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit. But tell me a little bit about you know, your orig original journey into following Jesus, into discipleship, and maybe a, a few things that come to mind when the word of God, his rhema word, his logos and rhema word, uh, came alive to you and kind of share a little bit that, about that. Yeah, so um, mom was actually, we were talking about it on Friday and reminded me of this story. Um, when I was pretty young, I think I was in like elementary school, um, I developed this painful, awful, disgusting planner's board on the bottom of my foot. I don't know if any of you guys have ever had one of those. They are terrible. And um, I remember showing it to her and she made a doctor's appointment for like the next week and she was like, well, let's just pray for it. And so she started praying for it and that thing fell off. Like, it just completely fell off. And um, I had a girl in my class who actually had one, too. And I remember she had to go to the doctor for, like, weeks and was, like, having to wrap it up at recess. And I just remember being so young and just thinking, because I heard in Sunday school about how God heals people and all these things about his power. And I remember realizing, like, he really does that in real life. And that was the first time that he really planted that seed in my life. And and where I started to want to pray to him and, and believe that he could really do the things that he says in his word. Yeah. How old were you when that happened? I think I was like in first or second grade. Oh, my goodness. Something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, one of our children, even this, this like my, one of my children, uh, last weekend um, was um, uh, kind of listening to some worship uh, in the house, kind of just in the house. And, and kids are kids like, I, uh, you know, like pastor's kids are 
just like every other crazy kid, you know? And, um, but this worship music was playing, and they're just usually just talking about farts. Can I say that in church? That's probably weird. But, like, they're usually just talking about normal stuff. And, but it's just so cool to see the power of God break through. I mean, ultimately, I just know doing ministry for, for long enough to know that none of this speaking and events and all that stuff, it just goes this only so far. But at the end of the day, the power of God loves people so much and breaks in. And um, one of my children, it was last weekend, was just <laughs> weeping over the goodness of God. And I'm going, I didn't, you know, how do you teach that in Sunday school? There's none of, none of that happened. There's just a direct line ultimately, I think, speaks to what we're talking about today is that God is speaking and wants to speak more than even want to listen. Mm-hmm. And he's alive. And it's like, wow, like what if we caught a vision for that, that like every, every morning before the scriptures and every coffee that we'd have with people, wherever they're at, is an opportunity to hear the word of the Lord. And it's so important. I mean, it's just so desperate that we need to hear, not just that he's good and that he uh, is trustworthy as a character reference, but as a directive voice, like he's trying to guide us. Like how do we, how do we leverage the scriptures and leverage our life and, and, and our uh, conversations to, to understand what he's saying? There were three words that came to mind that um, maybe as a visual might, might meet you where you're at this morning and hearing what his voice says. But if you can picture almost like banks on a river, and on the one uh, side you might see a community, like the people around you that you trust, uh, his family members that he's put in your small group, in your city group, the people you've led into your life, community is super important. And it's very difficult to talk about how to hear the voice of God in any of the older New Testament without thinking about people. Most of the time, God is speaking. He speaks and affirms his voice through people. So the idea of I'm going to go in a log cabin and go figure out what God is saying without people um, has a pride to it and isn't what the Bible talks about. So there's this bank on the river that says God's voice is going to be affirmed and confirmed and inaugurated oftentimes by people in my life. And then on the other side, there's this scripture thing, which of course always takes precedent. More than people is the scripture. And if people say one thing and scripture says another, obviously, as we talk about today, scripture is louder, it matters more. But if I read a scripture and I interpret it the way I want to interpret it, and my community tells me uh, that isn't the way that scripture interprets scripture, I would want to find a harmony between those things, that God wants to put this harmony between Scripture and people together. On the other hand, um, if my community is saying a bunch of stuff and it doesn't line up with Scripture, then that's not the voice of the Lord. And so right down the middle, what you'd have is this, this flow of the Holy Spirit, ultimately. The Holy Spirit is the counselor that leads us into all truth. The truth is the thing that sanctifies us, and we're not looking to memorize words on a page or listen to great advice or great sermons. What we're trying to do is, however cool it is, however comfortable it is, whatever it is, I'm not worried about the format that it comes to me. I'm just interested in that word. I'm interested in what the Holy Spirit is trying to lead me in. At any given moment, my life is too important to me. Uh, God's word is too authoritative to me, and I need to hear what God is saying in my life. And so between community and scripture, would there be this harmony where God is going to speak to me in his rhema and logos word to tell me what I'm doing, uh, what I need to be doing? And so um, let's talk about community first. Um, Julian, how is community, um, you know, have, tell us a few stories about how community um, has been used in your life to hear the voice of, of God. Yeah, so I had two, um, two stories that came to mind. One of them, um, when way that community really shaped my life was in high school. I had a youth pastor and his wife that joined our church, and I just felt like that was one of the first times I saw somebody really living out their faith in such a radical way that he was just letting the Lord really use him and just making decisions that a lot of people would think were a little bit scary or maybe, um, you know, like just giving away a bunch of his savings to something, you know, things like that, where I just remember it making me want to know God more because of the way that they were living and the way that it just seemed so authentic and just real from their lives. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, for me, my, my youth pastor, um, uh, Isaac, growing up was super important. Like you said, almost not just a message, but a method, like the way that he lived his life mm-hmm. um, was something that, you know, spoke to me for sure. Um, uh, many of you guys know from uh, Fellowship Greenville, um, the, the pastor over there actually was talking to him this morning um, at Starbucks because we have the same, Starbucks is the new cheers, you know, it's like, it's the, it's the Christian <laughs> cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name. And um, um, just ran into a, a period of, of time in the last couple of months, um, not not here at church, but in other areas where there was just kind of this attack. I don't know if you've ever felt like there's um, there's a few things that feel like little snags and, and distractions and things like that, but then they kind of add up, and there's a lot of these little things that, that happen and pop up in life. Uh, and it was really cool. I mean, so Charlie's a person that just has a relationship with, I have a relationship with Charlie. I'll talk to him and call him on the phone, that kind of thing. And um, I remember telling him the story. And it was like he said the word, but then the word kind of pops out a little bit more, like there's a highlight on the word, and you kind of remember it, and you chew on what it means, but, um, you know, he's super wise. And so that, then again, I mean, it's not just about the kind of hocus pocus of what's God saying. It's like he's rooted in scripture. You know, he's a friend. There's a relationship built. So it's not just this like, you know, I'm going to throw a feather in the air and see which direction to turn. And it's like there's a wisdom there, but there's a spirit breathed yes on it. And he said something like, you know, bro, it just kind of sounds like there's some distractions going on. And that word was really powerful, right? Because if you said the word attack, if you said the word devil, if you said the word Satan, if you said the word spiritual this or that or principality, those would all words dictate different plans of action. But if you were to use the word distraction, that tells you a lot of stuff. It tells you that it's not important. It tells you that it's the thing not to be looking at. It tells you that it's the thing that doesn't really need uh, attention or to be impressed with. And it was a word that absolutely rooted me in that moment and gave me a sense of authority to move forward. And so uh, it's just another example, I think, of how community, as we we're talking about, helped to elevate and, and amplify, you know, the voice of God in our life. Um, the next one is scripture. I'll do this one. I know you were going to share in Hebrews 12, but um, I remember one time, very discreetly, uh, without the help of any person or any mentor or any disciple leader, uh, just in quiet time with the Lord, um, I was reading Matthew 5, where if you're familiar where he says, uh, it's one of the, uh, just, this a great fun commandment that's really easy to do. I'm sure you guys all do well is love your enemies and pray for them. Uh, really good one that he'll hit you with sometimes. And I was reading it, you know, preparing for something. And, and, and he just kind of spoke to me on a personal level. And he was just saying, um, you know, Oliver, you're not forgiving anyone that you're not praying for. And so that didn't need any people to call me. That just interrupted my day. And I think we, we are not going to do ourselves any service to follow Jesus anywhere if we're not prepared for the interrupted um, unpartnered word of the Lord in our life, that he's going to speak to us. He's going to speak to us through scripture. He's going to speak to us in challenging and uncomfortable ways. He's going to do it directly, and he's going to interrupt. I didn't go out ans- you know, looking for the question. Um, I was having one conversation, and he interrupted it because he's good. Uh, he's good rude, not bad rude, but he, he interrupted the conversation and said, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this. And a lot of times, that's exactly what discipleship's about. It's that we're thinking about the most important things over here, and he's just like, I want you back here. Um, Hebrews 12 is a scripture came to mind to you recently that Jesus spoke to you directly. Yeah, so um, that's one I feel like the Lord used a lot in my life whenever I'm going through just something hard or something I don't quite understand his purpose. And and that's the passage that talks about the Lord's discipline and compares it to the way that a parent disciplines their children when they understand, they can see the big picture. I mean, you, if you're a parent, you know that you can see a lot more than what your kid can see. And when they want to run out in the street and they don't realize that a car could hit them and you stop them, then they're upset because they wanted to go play in the street, but they don't see the bigger picture. And um, so that's one thing that the Lord always uses to remind me that he's sovereign, even though I may not understand why he is taking something away or doing something that I don't want him to do. It's really for my good, and, um, and the big picture is better. 
Yeah, love that. And both of these, it's interesting, uh, distraction, discipline, they just, they're really just one word. They're not memorized the whole verse, but the Lord just has us carry this word with us. And so some of us, I think, well, I'm not memorizing scripture. I don't know the word. Well, potentially he just has you write one word on a post-it note and you just carry that one word. You know, Lord, what are you saying? And, and, and the word discipline, like you said, just like distraction, has nuance, has texture, and it, and it helps to redefine culture. It snatches back from culture and says, well, discipline means, you know, somebody like, you know, backhanding you and being mean and vindictive, and, and he's going, no, let me claim that word back in your life. I, I want to discipline you, and I want, I, want, I want to be the dictionary here. I don't want, you know, some other television show to tell you what that means. So I, I love that's a great example. The last one we'll, we'll cover briefly. I wrote down in my notes, you know, that God always speaks through his scripture. He sometimes and often speaks through uh, community, and then occasionally he just nudges you. He just tells you to go left or right, and that's really fun. You know, I, I would say proportion that out. You know, I would rather be hearing his voice more through, most through scripture and less through just kind of the average nudge, but he does, does nudge us. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if we talked. Yeah, is there kind of an example recently that that happened to you? Yeah, I think the cool thing about that is that when the Lord's trying to show me something, if I'm not listening, a lot of times he'll like reinforce it in another way or if I'm just being rebellious and not really obeying him or listening to him. But um, so recently that happened. I was getting ready one morning, and I was thinking, I actually have a free night tonight. I should text Sarah Jones and see if she's free and wants to hang out. And I thought, no, nah, she's probably busy. She probably doesn't want to hang out. And so it was funny because then my phone went off, and I looked down, and she had sent me a Voxer message right then saying, hey, the Lord put you on my mind. And so it's so funny how the Lord did that for both of us and, he just wants us to be friends because she's cool. So <laughs> yeah. so it's cool how he does that even when I wasn't going to act on it because I thought, you know, I was listening more to fear than to him. Yeah, yeah. He speaks in so many, so many different ways, and I just love that story that it just felt like a confirmation. If anything, it's like I just, he affirms it. He confirms things um, in our life, and he creates fruit that says, that's my voice, and you can trust me, and, and, and you can be you know, faithful in that way. I mean, I, I mean, for me, I think just even in, in my role recently, you know, in, in, in church, there's always a lot of things to do, and it's been cool to see, you know, like I don't want to be so busy. With, I don't want to be lazy, but I also don't want to be so busy, as we talked about that, that I'm not available for some call or text message that I did not plan for, you know, and I just think to myself, like, you know, as a shepherding role here at this church, I don't want to be too organized and too busy that I can't be available to what God would want to say, and so my prayer has been, would you just interrupt me kind of thing, and and so that happens frequently, you know what I mean? I love, I, I've been so um, encouraged in the last year of just how I've got my little wonder list of 86 things that I do, but he will absolutely highlight them, and he will also absolutely highlight things that I don't have in the priority at the beginning of the day, but by the end of the day, I know why he redirected me, and that's been really, really um, good to, to feel like to have a plan and then let God interrupt the plan has been good for me personally. At City Lights, at the, we always talk about temple and home, meaning here and then when we're not here at Camelot. Tell me about City Group. How do you think that City Group, as you've led one in the last two years with Paul uh, Garrigan, um, how does City Group get intentional about hearing God's voice? Yeah, so for our City Group, um, we've found that it's been really good to split up. We'll, we'll kind of hang out a little bit in the beginning, and then we'll split up into smaller groups, and we'll go around and talk about what's going on in our lives and pray for each other and encourage each other, and then we'll come back together as a big group. Lately, we've been going through Romans together, um, so we're studying the scripture, or before that, we were going through a book together, and um, so that way we kind of have that community aspect and that scripture aspect of it. Yeah. Um, uh, here on Sunday, I always want to talk about like why we do what we do here on Sundays for the value series. But um, one of the one of the ways there's obviously lots of ways that we would try to hear God's voice. But one of the ways that I try to be intentional about this is with the intentional questions, which speaking of, it'll be on the screen right here. But every week we have a question that I think is um, 
just empowering for me to be able to say, okay, but what's God saying to you? And that's what a question will do as opposed to me talking about something or maybe trying to do a three-step process, just giving a question back to people, I think, I hope at least from my heart, that it empowers you and empowers our groups to really go to him and go back to the real disciple maker, the ultimate leader uh, of, of the person that's making disciples. And so um, the question today is uh, the discipleship question itself. What is God saying to you? That's, that's the most important question um, that we can ask ourselves as disciples in and outside of City Lights, but for sure at City Lights. And when it comes to why we're not the Simpsons or the Jetsons, it's this question. This is the question that keeps us from becoming just a social club or just a Kiwanis club or whatever it may be. It's the question that keeps us a disciple-making family, an Acts 2 lineage. It's that question. What is God saying to you, and how are you going to respond? Um, and, and, and as a disciple-maker... Could you be available, not perfect, but available and consistent and predictable in helping people hear that question? Maybe one of the greatest empowering things that you need to know as being a disciple maker, if, you, if, you're, if you're feeling led to maybe lead or mentor or guide or someone else in your life, is you're not responsible to tell them what to do. You're just responsible to reminding them of who they're supposed to be listening to. So you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you do have to be faithful to this question. What is he saying? I need to have an appetite for what he's saying in my life and the lives of others. Help other people hear uh, his voice through the scriptures, through community, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, would you stand with me as I invite the band? How about Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.